Brian McClanahan Show, episode 275. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Brian McClanahan. Like my Facebook page at Brian McClanahan. And of course, subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast at Brian McClanahan. Find all those social media buttons at my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, McClanahan.com. While you're there, give me an email address and I'll give you a free ebook, Forgotten Founders, and a free audiobook of the same title read by yours truly. You can support the show while you're there by going to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. Just click on that support tab. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcasts going. You can also get your Brian McClanahan book plates. If you want my autograph or any one of my books, it's a great way to do it. I send you the plate in the mail and you stick it on your book and we're good to go. You can support the show by going to mcclanahanacademy.com where it's always free to enroll. And you can uh, get a free course when you do that. Plus, you can purchase one of my courses there. It's a great way to support the show and get something awesome for it, which is a great course. You can also go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, LearnTrueHistory.com. It's my affiliate link for Tom Woods Liberty Classroom. Again, 20-plus courses I teach there with a lot of great instructors. Great website, great resource, and uh, you get a lot of bang for your buck. And if you use my affiliate link, you also support the show in the process. You can get your Brian McClanahan Show gear by going to brianmcclanahan.com. Click on that shop tab at the top of the page. Take you out to my store, online store. You can get my logo and all kinds of cool stuff. So while you're supporting the show, you're, you're purchasing something that supports the show, plus you're advertising the show and getting people to think locally, act locally. And don't forget to leave a review for this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. You go to anchor.fm. That's the new host for the show. You can... Uh, Leave a message. You can support the show through Anchor.fm. Lots of great ways to do this now. Leave a message for me, but what that also means is that you can get on the show. Let's say you want a topic you want me to talk about. You leave that voice message, and then I put that on the beginning of the show, and that's awesome, right? It's right there. You get to be on the Brian McClanahan Show. So it's a great way to get on the show, support the show. Do every Share this on social media. Review it. Rate it. Do everything you can. We need more people thinking locally, acting locally. And so by listening to this podcast, of course, you're doing that already. If you get my emails, you're doing that already. I mean, this is something you're doing. But we need more people doing this because we are facing extreme issues in America. And one of those is the topic of the podcast, and that's Lincoln Derangement Syndrome (laughs) or uh, the cult of Lincoln. One of the things I find fascinating about, and it goes back to this, there was a poll that just was recently released where Republicans said that, by a majority, that Trump was a, is a better president than Abraham Lincoln. And people are going nuts over this, right? particularly the left. <gasps> How dare you? Oh, my gosh. How, oh, these Republicans are so stupid. I mean, this is actually true. Trump is a better president than Abraham Lincoln for a variety of reasons. But I'm going to get into a piece that was published in the Washington Post that has one of my favorite... Uh, well, I'm not going to use a disparaging term. One of the people that I have already written against and uh, took great offense to what I said about him uh, is quoted in this piece. And I haven't seen this guy's name in a while. I didn't know where he had gone. But here he is, again, this piece in the Washington Post. So we've got him, uh, again, on record saying stupid things. But beyond that, um, 
the uh, the fact that Republicans, a majority, would say that Trump is a better president. I mean, people are going nuts. And what's happened, if you look at the comments about this on social media, if you follow Twitter, if you follow Facebook, but Twitter in particular, because Twitter is a cesspool of liberalism. I mean, this is why I get on there, because if you want to see what the what the fringe left thinks, just go to Twitter. If you want to see how these people are so deluded, if you want to see the delusion, you want to see the self-righteous disorder of the left, if you want to see people that have that are so mentally ill, go to Twitter. I mean, it's mental illness is on display on a daily basis. The comment is often made that this is a cult of Trump. This is because it's a cult of Trump. And I'm going to talk about some of the other comments here in a second. But the cult of Trump, this is because these people worship him like a cult. I mean, this guy's worshipped. If anybody in American history is worshipped, it's Abraham Lincoln. There is an American Parthenon in Washington, D.C., dedicated to Abraham Lincoln. It's the Parthenon. He's in there like Athena. It's the Temple of Lincoln. You go in, you have to be very hushed tones. Don't be too loud in the, uh, in the Lincoln Memorial because we have to be hushed. Genuflect, leave flowers. Every important event has to be at the Lincoln Memorial because he is the symbol of American religious government. I mean, this is, this is what we have. You want to talk about a cult. The cult is followed by the majority of Americans who believe that Abraham Lincoln is the greatest thing to walk the earth. I mean, look, Spielberg's, uh, Spielberg's movie, which um, I just reviewed for the first time. I, I mean, like, I, and you'll get a podcast on this, right? But uh, I had never reviewed it before, and I wanted to. So this fits nicely within that. Um, but I mean, this is this is a cult. Tom DiLorenzo has a piece today at LewRockwell.com talking about this. There's a, an amazing quote in here, um, a couple of amazing quotes in particular, but I want to I point out uh, a quote from a book, The Deification of Lincoln, which Ira Cardiff wrote in 1943. 1943. The unfortunate and defenseless public is almost powerless to protect itself from Lincoln hysteria. If it attempts to get the truth about Lincoln, it is confronted with a mountain of fable and froth, foolishness and fancy, through which it must dig to obtain only an occasional gem of truth. Of the thousands of book pub books published on Lincoln, one can almost count on his fingers those of any value as critical scientific productions. This is what, as Villarenzis is written in 1943, this is 70 years ago. Imagine, almost 80 years ago. Imagine, I mean, the mountains of books that have been written since then. This is ridiculous. As the Lorenzo says, Lincoln the atheist was turned into a deeply religious monk-like figure who supposedly spent most of his time in the White House on his knees praying. Even Lincoln's mother became second only to the Virgin Mary in terms of supposed chastity. I mean, this is, Cardiff said that too, but I mean, DiLorenzo's paraphrasing him. I mean, this is, this is what we have, the deification of Abraham Lincoln, and we know it through slogans. And then you see this on full display in the, in the comments on Twitter. Uh, the Republicans oppose Lincoln because he freed the slaves. They're just a bunch of racists. This is, this is the problem with the Lincoln myth. 
The Lincoln myth is the most dangerous thing in American history because we somehow have this individual who is above reproach. But he's not. Lincoln was the most reviled president in the history of the United States to that point. He only got 39% of the popular vote. How is this guy so good? He wasn't. And as I pointed out, I mean, Trump hasn't started a war that killed a million people. He hasn't thrown people in jail who simply oppose him. He hasn't done that. I mean, even when he started, when the people would chant, lock, you know, lock, lock her up when uh, he was campaigning, of course, Hillary, he hasn't done it. He's barely even thrown illegal immigrants in jail. I mean, so what has Trump done that's so bad? But of course, these people are so deranged and they think, I mean, it's the cult of Trump. It's, it's because all these Republicans are racist and Lincoln freed the slaves and you would just want to put, I mean, well, somebody commented, yeah, uh, you just want to put, make people slaves. Oh yeah, that's really what I want to do. I mean, anyone that follows me knows that's what I'm trying to do here. This is just stupidity. But I want to get in this piece from the Washington Post because, again, it's on the, the derangement is on full display from academics who say things that simply aren't true. In one particular case, the guy, and I'll talk about who he is and what he said before and why it makes sense why he's, he's critical of this survey. But anyways, this is by Deanna Paul. It's a short read. I'm going to read the whole thing. Trump greater than Lincoln? Republicans polled said yes, and a party Lincoln wouldn't recognize. <gasps> Lincoln wouldn't recognize his Republican Party. I actually think he would recognize this Republican Party because the Republican Party really hasn't changed since 1854. I've made the case for that on this particular podcast before. They haven't changed. I mean, people might think, oh, no, no, these people are just a... They don't support anything. Lincoln, they don't support Lincoln. Lincoln is... They, they, they wouldn't support Lincoln's party. Yeah, they would. They say it over and over again. Deanna Paul says, which Republican president was better, Donald Trump or Abraham Lincoln? Presidential historians rank Lincoln as the nation's greatest president, and Trump is one of the worst in a 2070 survey. That's because presidential historians are stupid. Lincoln is not one of the best. I mean, you. I mean, we can make a case that Trump is not one of the best either. But Lincoln should be near the bottom, so maybe if Trump's near the bottom, Lincoln should be right there with him. I mean, the greatest president in American history is John Tyler. So Lincoln should be near the bottom. And the 16th president boasts his own memorial in Washington, while the 45th president faces impeachment. Oh, well, that's a case. I mean, right, the case closed, Deanna Paul. Because Lincoln has a monument and Trump's facing impeachment, case closed. This is how stupid these people really are. I mean, there's no other word to use to describe it. I mean, think about that, that line again. Let me read this again. And the 16th president boasts his own memorial in Washington while the 45th president faces impeachment. I mean, there you go. If that's not the case that Lincoln is better than Trump, Lincoln's got a monument. Trump is facing impeachment. I got, Paul's got us. Deanna Paul has us nailed to right for saying that Trump is, <laughs> is better than Lincoln. You almost can't make up this kind of stupid. You almost can't make up this type of ridiculousness. But they do it on a daily basis. I mean, anyone that... They do it all the time. It's so funny. But ordinary Republicans in a 53% to 47% majority favored Trump over the Civil War hero, according to a survey conducted by The Economist magazine and polling site YouGov.com. The, the poll questions promised, was Trump or Lincoln a better Republican president? 
but lies the underlying truth. Lincoln, elected in 1861, was the first Republican president, but experts say he would not recognize today's GOP. Experts. Now we're going to get to one of the experts. The American political system went through an extensive crisis in the 1850s. According to Christian McWhorter, a Lincoln historian at the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library and Museum in Springfield, Illinois. Now, Christian McWhorter, I, I, I took to task a couple of years ago. He wrote a piece for Time magazine saying that we should drop Maryland's state song, Maryland, My Maryland, because it's dissident. I can just see this. The song should be dropped because it's dissident. It's, it's treasonous. We can't have that around. So here he is at the presidential Lincoln Presidential Library. Of course he's going to say that. The guy's a nimrod. Again, if you want to, if you go out and look for McWhorter Strikes Back, or you know, I can't remember what the first piece was, but I wrote two pieces because I wrote one, then he responded to it somewhere, and then I took him to task again. The original two-party system composed of the Democrats and the Whigs collapsed over the issue of American expansion westward and the role slavery would play in the territories as it became states. The breaking point, he said, was the Kansas-Nebraska Act of 1854. Well, the role that slavery would play in the territories, yes. One, no, in the territories. Not once they became states. Because the states could decide on their own. But uh, we know that uh, there was, of course, a lot of fighting over if they were going to be free states, slave states, and how that was going to happen. But the the issue of the territories was key. As Daniel Croft has pointed out, I mean, even when you had the Lincoln Amendment, which was the Corrin Amendment, I mean, Lincoln was certainly willing to protect slavery in the South. Um, he The point that Southerners said, look, we, we already know the states is not an issue. We're not worried about the states. What we're worried about is the territories. If I mean, So that's the issue. It's the territories. Because this is a constitutional issue. Now, we could argue about this, whether that was the Southerners are right or Northerners are right, and whether they could regulate slavery in the territories. But it was about the territories. It's about power more than anything else. Once they became states, why would they be worried about that? Because, of course, these states are going to disrupt the balance of power in the Senate, etc., etc. This is going to be a political issue. Three decades earlier, Congress had passed the Missouri Compromise, which maintained the balance of power between the North and the South. It admitted Missouri to the Union as a slave state, and Maine as a free state, and barred slavery in any territory north of the southern border of Missouri. They leave that out. The Kansas-Nebraska Act repealed the legislation allowing new, newly admitted states to vote on slavery themselves. No, newly admitted territories to vote on slavery. This is the piece is even wrong here. Not states, but territories to vote on the issue themselves. The states could always do this, even after the Missouri Compromise. If North Dakota wanted to be a slave state, it could be. This is how stupid these people are. North Dakota could be a slave state all day long. It was up to the states. Heck, Massachusetts could have been a slave state. It was for years. It just abolished it on its own. So, I mean, look, this is the issue. It was the territories, not the states. So the Kansas-Nebraska Act repealed the legislation, allowing newly admitted states to vote on slavery. No, newly admitted no, newly admitted states could always do this, to let the territories decide if they're going to be free or slave. So I don't know if McWhorter said this or if Paul said this, but either way, either one of them saying it, they're stupid. By 1856, a coalition of abolitionists, anti-slavery supporters, former Whigs, and former Democrats had formed the Republican Party. The belief was two-pronged, McWhorter said. 
The party embraced capitalism and the idea of the self-made man, and by preventing new slave states, slavery would gradually die out where it already existed. They believed what made America great was that if a person worked hard, he could rise in society, McWhorter said. Slavery. A huge mass of forced labor went against that notion. It prevented the white man from getting labor jobs in the South because all those jobs went to slaves. No. Here's why the Republican Party opposed slavery generally. It's because they didn't want slaves in the Western territories because it prevented the white man in the Western territories, the Republicans, in other words, from getting jobs. Not in the South. They didn't worry about the South. It prevented the white man from getting labor jobs in the South. No, it prevented... <laughs> this, <laughs> this is so stupid. No, not the white man for getting labor jobs in the South and the Western territories, you nimrod. I can't believe that this guy is even quoted. He's a stupid idiot. Anyways, show me, show me where the Republicans were concerned about Southerners, white Southerners getting jobs in the South. Show me that. I mean, please, show me the tracks that had been written about white labor in the South. I can show you quote after quote where they were worried about white labor in the Western territories, but not in the South. That year, the party's first presidential candidate, John C. Fremont, lost to Democrat James Buchanan. Tensions escalated during the Buchanan presidency. In 1857, the Supreme Court held the Missouri Compromise unconstitutional. And two years later, John Brown led a revolt at Harpers Ferry, then part of undivided Virginia. These events set the national stage for the Civil War and the presidential election of 1860. Well, the election came first, and then the war because Lincoln instigated the war. But hey, who's... I mean, this is just splitting hairs here now. Who's following chronolo chronology here? I mean, it just doesn't matter. Lincoln won without a single electoral vote and from the South. A month later, Southern states began to secede from the Union. White Southerners or white Democrats saw the Republican Party as an abolitionist party, McWhorter said. Although it wasn't Lincoln's goal at the outset of the Civil War, by 1865, the party was actually trying to dismantle slavery. When Lincoln was assassinated in 1865, he was at the peak of his power and popularity. And his party had transformed into one of freedom and opportunity. Well, first of all, Lincoln barely got 50% of the popular vote in 1865. And if you put together the South, I mean, he still would have lost. Okay, th this is what people don't realize. Lincoln was a minority president the entire time he held office. If you put all Americans together. Less than 40% of the popular vote in 1860. He doesn't mention that. Trump got more of the popular vote than Lincoln did. So if you want to say more popular, Trump was more popular. DiLorenzo says he would have won 99 to 1. Lincoln was called all kinds of names in the North. In the North! Not just the South. In the North. Wasn't at the height of his popularity. He barely got 54% of the popular vote in the North. And that's with voter fraud to boot. So I'm going to take a quick break. We'll come back and read the rest of this. I'll see you on the other side. Let me talk to you for a minute about McClanahan Academy. I know at the beginning of this particular podcast or this video, I talked about McClanahan Academy. But let me go into a little more detail about why I think you should sign up for it and why, and why I created it. First, a little bit about me. I have a PhD in American history from the University of South Carolina, and I've taught in the college environment for 20 years. And I've seen college students get worse over time, the curriculum get worse, and students are being indoctrinated more than educated now in our 
higher education system, whether it's high school or college. So I wanted a counterweight to that. And this is why I created the McClanahan Academy. Now, first, it's always free to enroll at McClanahan Academy. You sign up. It's free. And I give you a free course, 10 Myths of American History, when you do sign up. So it's a great way to get an introduction to what I do. But I've got eight courses for sale there and more forthcoming. All of these courses are designed to give you the non-PC version of American history, to take the red pill, so to speak. And I've got two courses in particular, my U.S. History Survey courses, which are designed for homeschoolers. So if you're a homeschooler and you want a good curriculum, and uh, my family has homeschooled all of our children from the beginning, and you want a solid history curriculum, that's why I designed the United States History 18, to 1865 and 1865 the present. You've got enough material, you've got lesson plans, you've got uh, tests, you've got reading material, you've got reading seminars, you've got 36 weeks, if you take them, buy them both, you've got 36 weeks of material, and it can be used as a high school history curriculum, or if you're just a lifelong learner, you can use it otherwise. But it's a great way to get a real history education devoid of Marxism and progressivism and political correctness. So sign up at mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. Again, always free to enroll. And I'll see you there. All right, we're back here talking about Lincoln and Trump and uh, finishing up this stupid piece by Deanna Paul at the Washington Post, citing stupid scholars like Christian McWhorter and Harold Holzer. So um, we're going to get into Harold Holzer. If you look over my left shoulder, you look, here's the book. Here's the guy. Lincoln and the Power of the Press. He's going to be quoted in this piece. Now, this particular book had a couple of okay points in it, but generally it's Lincoln was a good guy. Um, and Holzer is a, is a Lincolnite. He's a Lincoln mythologist. He is a Lincoln worshiper, and so he's going to be quoted in the piece. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll get into that. Uh, he says, now, continuing with the piece by Deanna Paul. The Lincoln Republicans viewed America as a land of labor freedom and were devoted to expanding rights, according to Harold Holzer, author and nationally recognized scholar on Lincoln in the Civil War era. For after the war, Lincoln had twin goals, extending rights to African Americans and swiftly reunifying the country by not allowing acrimony to be the guiding force of the government. Now, I would agree that Lincoln was certainly more interested in a reconciliationist policy than the Republicans than the Republicans. You see, as Paul Escott has pointed out, I think Lincoln was trying to create a conservative party that was not necessarily Republican anymore. He didn't like the radicals in his party. He didn't like them at all. Uh, Lincoln was certainly willing to give voting rights to former black soldiers. And, of course, Lincoln wanted to end slavery. But as I pointed out, in another podcast, which I haven't aired yet, but as I pointed out in another podcast, Lincoln um, was certainly willing to postpone, postpone abolition if the South would come back in the Union in January of 1865. Paul Escott, I think, has conclusively pointed this out. And, of course, uh, Phil Magnus has shown that Lincoln was interested in colonization all the way up till the end of the war that he wasn't necessarily in favor of anything to do with extending rights to uh, blacks in America. He was certainly willing to export them or to keep them in slavery to 1870 or maybe even later if the South wanted to do it, just to end the war. I mean, this is Lincoln's position. 
So this Lincoln myth of he freed the slaves, he was for black suffrage, he was for this. Mm, the evidence is tenuous. Lincoln was a politician more than anything else. And so Holzer is, again, buying into the Lincoln myth. Uh, there's a picture on here. A U.S. Park police officer walks past the brooding statue of Abraham Lincoln at the Lincoln Memorial in 2011. Of course, we have to have the Parthenon in here now. I mean, this is this is a, this is a cult. This is the cult, the cult of Lincoln. "Quote: Lincoln devoted his second term to uniting people rather than freeing red feeding red meat to a small base of people. What? He devoted his second term to uniting people. Oh, well, I mean, if you want to say that he was already making." We're, we're gonna we're gonna have reconciliation, but he devoted his whole first term to killing a million Americans. So I mean, I guess after you've done that, uh, you know, that, well, well, he's gonna unify some people. Today, the party is more devoted to the accumulation of wealth and restrictions on voting rights. Really, accumulation of wealth and the restrictions on voting rights—that's what the Republicans are all about. To Harold Holzer, the Republicans are all about accumulations of wealth and restrictions. You know, that's funny. I don't know if the Democrats are against the accumulations. I mean, this billionaire shouldn't exist while we live in big mansions and we want to accumulate wealth for ourselves and we want to have wealth through the government. And we want to, I mean, they're about accumulating their own wealth and power and restrictions on voting rights. He's talking about voter ID. You have to show an ID to vote. Certainly the Republicans weren't against that because voter fraud was rampant during the Lincoln administration. You vote, anybody can vote because then we're going to win elections. Voter fraud, it's a good thing. Great thing. So Holzer is just complete bozo here. Another obvious difference in the, is the Lincoln-era Republicans' party support of immigration. And here we go. Lincoln supported immigration. In his last day of the Union Address, Lincoln featured a proposal to pay foreigners to come to the United States so the workforce would increase. <laughs> um, yeah. I could I could show you. and The Republican Party platform change over time, um, but by the 1870s, the Republicans really weren't that in favor of immigration. Uh, and certainly there were four immigration at that point because the about a, a, third, a third of the Union Army, maybe more, were immigrants who were being paid to go fight Southerners because they couldn't get enough Northerners to go do it who were native-born. So we got to get these immigrants, these Irish, these Germans, others to do it. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, the Republican Party certainly had, and you look at support for Im immigrant support for the Republicans in places like St. Louis, the German population there. It wasn't, Germans weren't all unified in favor of the Republicans, particularly not in the South. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, it's just, this is just silliness. This is modern platitudes and slogans being put on the Republican Party of the 1850s. Uh, here's, here's one of the funniest quotes from the entire piece. Not only was he not for building walls, but he was for breaking down barriers, Holzer said. Yeah, okay. Breaking down barriers? You mean by slaughtering Southerners? Certainly, that was breaking down barriers. We're breaking down all kinds of barriers. It's going to shoot you. Either, you. either you submit to our government or you die. So, I mean, that's certainly that's reaching, reaching across and trying to find issues of common ground and compromise. I mean, Lincoln could have avoided the war, but no, no. He could have, avoid, he could have accepted secession. There was no barriers there. They could have had free trade between the sections. Everyone could have gotten along. We had the, uh, a, a southern confederacy that 
was admittedly a pro-slavery federal republic. And then we would have a pro-slavery United States, too, because remember, Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee were all still in the government, and Lincoln wasn't opposed to abolishing slavery in those states, so it would have been a pro-slavery federal republic for the United States as well. We would have had two pro-slavery federal republics. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, there could have been peace between these sect- between these countries. No, no. We got we to gotta coerce the other side and kill them. Either you agree, but that's that's certainly breaking down barriers, Holzer. According to Holzer, the only thing Lincoln would recognize is the tariffs. That's not true. He'd recognize a lot of the Republican Party. They're nationalists, one-size-fits-all government, against state authority, for the usurpation of power in favor of running over the Constitution. Lincoln would recognize all this, expansive federal policy when it came to foreign policy, He'd recognize all this stuff. The Republicans, I mean, if you listen to Alan Gelzo and Larry Arn and others, I mean, they're completely on board with the radical Republican agenda. I mean, this is what the Proposition Nation, Lincoln would recognize all these things. Lincoln was a pro-tariff man, and Trump is sporadically, sporadically in favor of tariffs as a punitive weapon. He said, adding that tariffs were not punitive for Lincoln. No, no. Then tariffs were the major source of income, but they weren't punitive. No, no. These protective tariffs weren't punitive. They're just protective to protect uh, revenue for the government. Oh, but what about that income tax that he had? Uh, yeah, so we're just going to have tariffs to uh, to raise revenue. Oh, and to also protect uh, Thaddeus Stevens' uh, you know steel uh, steel mills there and uh, his pig iron industry there and and uh, I should say iron foundries in uh, Pennsylvania, not not steel, but iron foundries in Pennsylvania. Yeah, so it's not punitive at all. It's not to prevent competition. I, I don't think Holzer knows anything he's talking about. Hoser should be his name. Since the 1860s, the cornerstone of the party ideology have changed, dramatically changed, Holzer said. It was not a party of privilege or white supremacy. Those dubious honors belong to the Democrat Party. Really? The Republican Party was not the party of white supremacy when they actively said it? <laughs> I mean, you can't even make up such stupid revisionism. This is, this is getting into the realm now of Dinesh D'Souza. Um... When the Republicans openly said it's the party of white supremacy, but it's not the party of white supremacy. Hmm. That's interesting. The Republicans claim the Democrats are the party of what they said was miscegenation. But no, no, no. It's the Democrats, the party of white supremacy. Republicans were not the party of white supremacy, even though that their slogan, free soil, free labor, free men, was intended for free white men in the West, the free white labor, free soil for white men. It's the white man's party. This is what they actively said. No, no. Republicans were not the party of white supremacy. And again, I've written a whole article on this. Using Eric Foner. I mean, Eric Foner. He said, which ran predominantly in the southern states until the 1960s civil rights movement when a major political realignment occurred. I mean, this is just stupid. Again, stupid historical revisionism is not true. 100 years after Lincoln's re-election, Democratic President Lyndon B. Johnson was elected. After signing the Civil Rights Act of 1964, Johnson said to top aide Bill Moyers, said to top aide Bill Moyers, I think we just delivered the South the Republican Party for a long time to come. An accurate prediction. That doesn't support their point, though. Um, wait a second here. So, I don't think that... Uh, 
Paul knows what she just said. What Johnson is saying is that the Democrats would oppose now. Uh, the the Democrats would be rigid in their adherence to anti-civil rights legislation. And the Republicans, the black, black Americans, would vote Republican. Hmm. Uh, I'm not I'm not getting this. She actually disproves her own point. Anyways, because the Republicans were consistently in favor of the Civil Rights Bill at that point. The Democrats were not. So he thought that these black Southerners would vote Republican now, and they would vote Republican continuously. It's not because the parties have switched or realigned. Johnson's saying that the Republicans are now going to be ascendant, not because Democrats are going to become Republicans, but because Republicans are going to get votes from African Americans in the South, and that's going to... I mean, she just disproves her entire point. This is how stupid Deanna Paul is. Johnson at the time understood the Democrats who backed the bill might be rejected by white voters in the South. Holzer said, For 50 years now, the solid Democratic South has slowly become the Republican South and transitioned into its now new existence opposing civil rights, opportunities for African Americans, and acquisition of appropriate power for African Americans. Really? They've, they've been opposing these things? I mean, look, where do you find more African Americans in government? In the South. I mean, I've pointed this out too. Look, uh, if you want to see minority governments, look in the South. This is where it all is. I mean, look, the state of Alabama, for example, is about 20% African-American. They have about 20% of the seats in the Alabama legislature. Certainly, there's oppression going on there. Uh, it just Montgomery, Alabama just elected an African-American mayor. I mean, this is, this is just stupid, what these people are saying. Six weeks before his death, Lincoln addressed a crowd outside the Capitol, prepared to begin his second term in office. The country was emerging from its worst crisis in American history, one that he precipitated, a war that had killed hundreds of thousands and divided the North and South. He concluded the address with saying, with malice toward none, with charity for all. In that polarized moment, Holzer said, Lincoln didn't blame fake news and enemies of the people. He em emphasized humility, talked openly about his flaws, and used a brilliance of language not to punish and humiliate, but to inspire. After he just precipitated a war that killed a million people. But hey, you know, who's that's just splitting hairs again. One president was a dreamer, and one is a bad dream, Holzer said. <laughs> one president was a dreamer, and one was a bad dream? You cannot make up this type of immature, sophomoric rhetoric. And this is a guy that's a a major esteemed historian here of the uh, Civil War. I'm saying one president was a dreamer and one was a one is a bad dream. Maybe in the television age, people prefer to be entertained than inspired, but I think Lincoln would have preferred inspiring people. No, he probably would have preferred arresting and killing people. I mean, that's what Lincoln preferred. Not inspiring people. He didn't inspire anybody. He just killed them. There's no inspiration here. This is how, I mean, this, 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 this essay is complete, from people who are supposed to be good historians, complete distortion, worship, myth-making. How stupid can you get? And, of course, Paul refutes her own points. I mean, just ridiculous. Um, but I digress. 
the important point here is that the people that said that Trump was a better president than Lincoln are actually right on because Trump has not done what Lincoln did, which was tear the United States apart, launch a war, which we know because of his actions at Pickens, he wanted the war, uh, launch a war, uh, and then uh, somehow get credit for ending the war, for doing something that was constitutionally dubious without the point was not to uh, free the slaves in the north because slavery still existed in say Delaware till December of 1865 or New Jersey till December of 1865 Lincoln had abolished slavery in the north the states had to do that on their own Maryland did it on its own during the war but the fact is uh, Lincoln gets credit for things he shouldn't get credit for and is one of the worst presidents in American history Trump is better than Lincoln I think there's no question about that. Just looking at what Lincoln has done, what did, and what Trump has done, there's no comparison. Uh, but of course, Lincoln myth-making, Trump derangement syndrome, uh, I mean, just abject stupidity, all of this factors into where Americans are going nuts over this. And I think DiLorenzo is right about this. 1943, historians reporting this out, it's gotten even worse by 2019. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClanahan Show. <laughs>